Good morning, friends. Please be seated. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. This familiar expression is intended to remind us that in order to be led by the Spirit, we will also need to hear its voice as we encounter it within the Scriptures or any other aspect of our life. To my mind, it is the responsibility of the preacher to give voice to that Spirit as best they can. Listening carefully, for instance, during the proclamation of the Word is like practicing and preparing for the rest of our life to listen for the voice of the Spirit in all things. But as N.T. Wright has put it, it's as though we can hear not perhaps a voice, but the echo of a voice, a voice speaking with calm, healing authority, speaking about justice, about things put to right, about peace and prosperity for all. The voice goes on calling us, beckoning us, luring us to think there just might be such a thing. The voice in today's readings also tells us that this is a long, hard road to follow in every sense of the phrase. Think of Jesus setting his face to go to Jerusalem. He has a visceral understanding of what this means and how it will end, but also knows it amounts to one vast and urgent teaching moment for his immature disciples and whomever else appears on the way as a kind of eager but bewildered entourage. He sends messengers into a Samaritan village, presumably to secure food and shelter, but doubtless anticipated that the villagers would likely decline to provide hospitality to anyone they perceived as cultural and religious rivals. To them, Jesus was just another tedious, wandering Jew to avoid whenever possible. But John and James, the so-called sons of fresh from the mountaintop revelation of Jesus as the Messiah, called for a fire and brimstone response and were rebuked for it by Jesus. In other words, neither the Samaritans nor the disciples had yet truly heard what the voice of the Spirit in Jesus was saying to them. Realizing what it means to be a disciple of Jesus is challenging. Soon thereafter, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. So Jesus made explicit what he hoped the disciples had realized in the Samaritan village, to the effect that in these circumstances, they could never be sure where they would be sleeping. And if that was a problem, maybe this journey wasn't for them after all. Two other would-be followers, one of whom had been called personally by Jesus, wanted to go home first to tend to important and perfectly reasonable family responsibilities, according to Jewish law. In the case of the called, Jesus took a hard line and told him in no uncertain terms, as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. For the other, 
He warned that anyone undertaking the journey to Jerusalem while pining for the old life wasn't fit for the task at hand. It is not easy realizing what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. It is, however, an open question how any of these folk responded to the particular challenge that Jesus laid down for them. And at the same time, is an open invitation from the Spirit for each of us who hope to follow Jesus, to ponder what Jesus might have to say in the circumstances in which he now finds us. Imagine looking into his penetrating eyes as he asks, how far are you willing to go? What is holding you back? If ever there was a man who was unable to hear what the Spirit was saying to God's people, it was Saul of Tarsus. Everything that Saul ever knew and experienced was ordered toward persecuting Jesus' disciples until Jesus confronted him in the Spirit, saying only, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? From then on, nothing on earth could hold him back from proclaiming Jesus as Lord and Savior. That is the voice of the Spirit heard in the depth of his soul. Even so, Saul turned to Paul, found it is not easy realizing what it means to be a disciple, or for that matter, an apostle of Jesus. If ever there was a man who had absolute clarity and conviction about what the Spirit was saying to him, it was the new man, Paul, and he preached his gospel to the Galatians as the sure and certain way of those who belong to Christ Jesus. But the Galatians still had problems hearing everything the Spirit had revealed to him. They heard another voice, too, one telling them to turn back to the old ways of another ethnic group if they wanted to follow Jesus, that somehow circumcision was absolutely essential, and along with it, the enormous array of particular and peculiar practices known as the law that would set them apart from the rest of the world and all of its temptations by ordering their lives in minute detail. Paul was both and perplexed that anyone would consider such a yoke of slavery when he had offered a way to freedom from all those obligations and constraints, with only the proviso that they love their neighbor as themselves. He warned them such freedom can be abused in a wave of self-indulgent and self-destructive behavior if it is not disciplined by the higher law of love, which is exemplified in the life of Jesus. Of course, it's not only the Galatians who had difficulty hearing the gospel message as Paul presented it. In fact, his practice of articulating his message in dualistic terms such as fresh, uh, flesh and spirit, faith and works, or grace and law, has made it easy to distort his gospel in divisive and exclusionary ways for centuries, while obscuring his radical vision of unity in Christ, as witnessed by the fruits of the Spirit as he named them. Love, joy, peace, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, 
and yes, self-control. To be honest, I feel better just hearing and speaking the words, for they are the words of life. As for the litany of harm and hurt that Paul recites, we needn't name them again. We know them well enough. These are companions who are not meant to complete the journey with us. They have left their mark, but we can feel them fade away as we learn what it means to be guided by the Spirit. In our own day, with our own Episcopal branch of the Jesus movement, we continue to struggle to hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. In recent times, we have heard the voice of the Spirit call us to finally end the 2,000-year blight of exclusion of women from their sacred vocations and of recognizing and honoring holy love whenever and with whomever we find it. There was suffering, there was loss, and now let there be healing. Now let us also listen to the voice that calls us to welcome the stranger in our midst, to tend and keep God's creation, to feed the hungry, to visit the lonely, in short, to love our neighbor. We've put our hand to the plow, and there is no looking back. Hear what the Spirit is saying to each of you. Amen.